0: Nightcaps of the Living Dead.
1: Get out of here, part one.
0: everyone we don't have any kind of time to mess around because this episode is fully loaded there is no way we can rewatch horror movies and compare them to our modern day hellscape without discussing Jordan Peele's instant classic Get Out Guillermo we got a lot to unpack in this episode I know I know This is a stellar movie I mean I'm sure our listeners know this is just phenomenal a category of its own first of all what are you drinking tonight what's in your glass
1: i am drinking um jack's concocted espresso martini with a twist
0: what's your twist
1: so i've added a shot of um di sarono, amaretto, <laughs> to give it a kind of nuttier flavor so let me try i haven't tried it yet so oh okay mm. Oh, it's good. It's good. <laughs> it was good before now. Oh. But
0: I love that you're getting creative with it. I am, I'm also really impressed it's lasted this long. I thought it'd be gone within three days. So I'm, I'm glad that you're finding new little recipes with it. I feel like this one should be the M. Night Shyamalan
1: exactly. <laughs> cocktail. It
0: has a twist. <laughs> it's a twist. It's a little nutty. It's a
1: twist ending.
0: <laughs> I love
1: that. Spoiler alert. Maybe should we should be called this spoiler alert. spoiler
0: alert. alert. Oh, I like a that. That's alert. the new cocktail. The Spoiler alert. But say the liquor that you put in it again. Di Um,
1: Di Sarono, Okay. Which is an amaretto from nice. Italy.
0: I love it. I love the rolled R's too. I think it's,
1: it's made out of almonds. So it's an almond liqueur.
0: I'm into mm-hmm. that. Um, I'm drinking a Golden State Cider to start our night off. And um, it's one of my favorite ciders. It has a little otter on it. It's a very dry cider. I'm into it. Okay, get out. I'm saying it like the Donatella Versace, Maya <laughs> Rudolph, <laughs> parody of her. Good out. This movie has extreme important cultural significance, and it happens to be a damn fine piece of cinema. Um, you don't have to be black to find this movie terrifying, but you do have to have some kind of empathy running in your veins to really appreciate the full effect. Um I would say in a nutshell, like the logline is a black guy goes upstate to visit his white girl's family and they explore, you know, you, you think that you're exploring the beginning of an interracial relationship only to find his worst fears are realized and he's pushed into terror of insanity. And we're all on this journey of what it means to be a young black man in America, honestly, you know? Does that Mm -hmm. sum it up? (laughs) I mean, because there's just so much. much. There's so much much
1: in this movie. But in that, there is a million things going on. Um, One question that I had, that maybe we should talk about right now. I kept thinking, where is this? I don't think the movie tells you where it is. For some reason.
0: Okay, where it's set, I feel like it was upstate New York. That is the, that's what I, the vibe
1: but, that I got. But is it? Like, I I kind of, and I, you know? I don't know what I'm saying. Does the movie ever actually tell you what city it is? I know that he's going out of town from his city. Yeah. But does it ever specify the city?
2: I really the thought. The city. Yeah. I feel like it does
1: not. I feel like. You know, you could be like, right. Where does, I'm going to Google but, this. Google Google it. Because I think it was it was shot in Alabama. Um, yes, New York. Alabama. Okay. Yes, upstate New, was York. New York.
0: Well, no, it's because it was shot in Alabama, which in my yeah. when we were doing research for this episode, I was thinking, "Oh my god, the fact that it was shot in Alabama gives it its own meta horrible twist of its own because I have complicated feelings towards Georgia. I was born and raised there. but I spent a lot of time in Alabama, and I just feel like it is pre-civil rights movement there to this day. And I know it's a generalization, but every experience that I've had, and I'm a white woman, so I can't even imagine, you know, what it feels like to be a minority there. I mean, God. Um, so the fact that it was shot on, uh, in Alabama, I just thought that, wow, that must have been such a heightened state of fear for some of these performers to, to add to the performances, because the performances are incredible, the performance mm-hmm. are out of this out of this world, so amazing. And by supporting characters, people that you don't really know that are household names, they're just so good. Um, but yeah, upstate New York—that's where it was.
1: So it's supposed to be. So I read that Jordan Peele initially was just going to shoot this movie in L.A. The mm-hmm. reason they ended up in Alabama was because of a tax break. Oh, it was a completely purely financial decision. Well,
0: you know, Alabama is a extremely poor state. I mean, not just because yeah. the. The myths of like, they don't have teeth or shoes or whatever. It's they, whenever my mom passed away, she passed away in Alabama. So I've had, I have a very complicated personal history with Alabama. So I understand. I
2: know, I know.
0: (laughs) This is a lot of my projection, but dealing firsthand with, uh, firsthand, sorry, a little cider there. Um, Dealing firsthand with government agencies, a lot of these offices like the coroner's office or a police department or even a lawyer or a cremation situation they're open like four to five hours a day and they don't even work full business weeks it's a, it's a very poor state they're they're just not open they're, everybody's chilling and rent's very cheap and uh, so i believe that about the tax break
1: so i wonder yeah it's interesting because um i think Jordan Peele has said, oh, you know, uh, it was a godsend that they had to do that because he feels like the, the setting of the movie gave it a kind of flavor. I'm sure. A southern flavor, Ugh. even though it's not supposed to be the South. You're so right. That's, that's what I was asking because it does hmm. have a southern flavor. And I think part of what he was going for is using these symbolisms.
0: Interesting. That go okay. back to
1: slavery times in the South. Even right. Even though it's supposed to be New York. So huh. that's an interesting, it yeah. makes sense. Now that I think about it. But, right. You know, throughout the movie, we'll, we'll talk about these
2: mm-hmm.
1: kind of symbols that take you back like the columns of the house. There were some plantation columns and they show up and there's a right. white shot. Right. Um, and that's because it's a house in Alabama, mm-hmm. not in upstate New York, but I think he's using it in this kind of subconscious, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, okay. So shall we jump right in? Let's
0: jump right into it. Let's, let's get there. Um uh, well, Actually, before we do, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you an anecdote about Jordan Peele. Just before he we gets, we're we're so director heavy. We really respect the directors and love their careers. Typically, when we do this podcast, um, I'm gonna say for Jordan Peele. This sounds so name-droppy and so starfuckery, but this is not where it's coming from. This is coming from. Uh, I think I feel like it's a confirmation of what a lovely human he is and what insight he he has to share um whenever i i was a hair double back in the day yes that's a real job it's so silly but <laughs> i was a hair double for lauren ambrose six feet under claire remember her she um yes. she was in this movie called wanderlust and it's with like jennifer aniston and paul rudd and justin Thoreau and all that stuff do you remember this it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: I remember this. Yeah, yeah, so
0: they, ironically, they go and they shoot in Georgia. They like hang out with all these hippies. You know, they try to give up New York life for to live on a commune or with a commune. And
1: what? by the way, really quick, since you mentioned Lauren Ambrose, she's currently starring in Servant, which is M. Night Shyamalan's Apple TV show. Oh,
0: Have you watched this I yet? I haven't watched. It. No, you've told me to, but I'm just. And like, it's ugh.
1: very Jordan Peele. Oh, okay. think About it. Okay. So, anyway, but you
0: haven't seen it? We won't talk I about it. I haven't. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, it's good. It's I'll good. look into it's it. really Because I really love her. I really love her so much. Um, so anyways, the whole thing is she plays this character, this hippie mama, and she's pregnant and everything. She has her long red hair. And Jordan Peele is her husband. And there was something where she couldn't make these pickup shots. So they cast me. They got me in there. And I'm going to say I'm like the bottom of the call sheet. I am a peon. I am not an important person at all. <laughs> I'm just, just like, oh, my God, there's Ken Marino. And and I respected you know, Jordan Peele because he's like this huge comedy um, like savant he's just amazing and and of course you see Justin Thoreau and Jennifer Aniston running around looking all gorgeous and they were definitely banging on that set I was there <laughs> I saw happening? the chemistry they were and he was walking around with his shirt off all the time which is a, another thing in itself but um, I appreciated it but <laughs> anyways they did my hair in the makeup trailer and then I go out and then he's supposed to be Lauren's husband so he's there paired with me so he's there at the pickup shots and he is just he was so nice and here I'm a nobody and he was asking me all of these questions in between takes of like what's your deal what do you do oh you're an actor or you're a writer okay you do this cool and I'm like and I was so kind of thrown off by him because this is 20... 12 or 14 I can't remember it's in that that time span mm-hmm. and and I knew him from like Kian Peel and some other things I was just like oh my god you're so funny and thank you for talking to me I just I felt like I was so shy and just kind of taken aback and then I was asking him you know mustered up the courage to be like so what are you doing other than you know your fabulous life you know I'm just like what? what's going on with you and he said oh you know I'm writing I keep I keep writing all the time and I'm doing this and I have some meetings at Comedy Central and I really hope some projects go through or he was just so positive and not standoffish and no ego attached just like a he seemed like a genuine sincere human being and now in retrospect I'm, in my head i'm screaming were you writing get out this entire time probably. he probably I mean, he was
1: he said he was writing, he took a long time and he always thought he was just doing it for himself. He right. never thought anyone would want to watch it. Right. Interestingly, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's a masterpiece.
1: The best, it's the best kind of writing when you're writing it just for you and you don't even think about selling it or anything like that. So I think, I think that's I would, excellent. I actually,
0: that's an excellent tidbit of
1: advice, Dr. G. Yeah. Um, I watched. Um, horror Noir last night. Mm-hmm. After watching it, um, mm-hmm. it's a documentary on Shudder mm-hmm. which is amazing. Which is on um, the history of uh, black blackness in horror cinema, mm-hmm. and I highly recommend that. And he was a huge part of it because mm-hmm. it all it tells you the history of. And Richard Lawson was in it. <gasps>
0: Richard Beyonce's stepdaddy, Beyonce's stepdaddy from
1: Poltergeist, oh. and so you had all the actors from who had appeared in horror movies through the decades, mm-hmm. um, including like, you know, the Ken Segos, who was the only black in the Nightmare on Elm Street series in Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which was the first black act, character to survive a horror movie all the way through, even though he got killed in part four.
0: Wait, stop it. What year is that? Like 1984?
1: 1988. Oh. 1988, I think. 88. Well, Wait,
0: good 80- for him. He made it through. Yeah.
1: So he became, but he became a big deal because it was the first time. He says people the fans would contact him because he became one of the heroes in that movie with heather langenkamp and um patricia kett mm-hmm. so and he was one of the few people to survive into the fourth movie, though they killed him in the opening credit sequence of the fourth <gasps> movie which is Ugh. terrible
2: Man. so it went back
1: to the cliche so they had all these it was really fun they had all the Oh, actors, directors, everything. So you get the history from like Night of the Living Dead. They talk mm-hmm. a lot. About, and they talk a lot about Pam Greer her early career, the black exploitation movement, and mm-hmm. all that, all the way to to Jordan Peele. So, so he talked a lot about the making of Get Out. So it was really fun. Do so they I have I Keith David's
0: after. on there on this documentary?
1: Yes, they do have. Keith I love everything
0: and everything. Else. Yes.
1: And they all talk about the stereotypes that they were dealing with and all that. It's really awesome. And
0: it's called Horror Noir.
1: Horror Noir. Done. It was the first documentary that shot produced. I think when they launched the thing the second time, the Mm -hmm. actual launching. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that was one of the first things they had in there. And it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend. They talk about Candyman. Tony <sighs> Todd is in there.
0: Candyman. So That's everybody, awesome. we we debated which to do first. So if we do Candyman or Get Out. And uh, like we we have to discuss Get Out. I saw this movie for the first time with Jack at the Grove. And you know, I do not like going to the Grove Theater. I try to save all of my like movies that I'm excited about for the Arclight like I get a little snobby about my theaters but because we're down the street I remember I was so excited to seek it out we went in the, the afternoon when it was uh, readily available like I think that had a sold out screening the night before and then we went the next day and I I remember this I think that. you saw
1: it right you saw it before me because mm-hmm. you went on Friday yeah I was it was so
0: hyped I just, and I was like if this movie fails anyway I'm going to be so disappointed because I just had such high expectations and it went beyond
1: I wanna say no, I'm confusing it with us. I saw us with you guys.
0: Yeah. You Remember? saw us with us.
1: I saw us with you, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um and that was at the Sun's uh the, sundown Sunset Five. Yeah,
2: rest in peace. But, like the AMC so they get five out Jim and I or...
1: said we saw it together. So I asked him. So okay. we saw it together. So it must have been the arc light, I okay. think. Well, it must have been I was thinking it was Sundance, but I think that's us. I'm confusing. Yeah, us, we saw you.
0: us at the Sundance. So you saw that with Jim at the Arc Light, and I'm sure arc you arc had light. a drink at the bar afterwards because it's so
1: stressful. Oh, of course, I had a Bloody Mary. The best Bloody Marys <sighs> the in best town. Best Bloody
0: Marys in town is at the Arc Light. Um let's get into it. Let's go. Opening scene.
1: So, opening scene. Um so as you know, Jordan Peele is a horror connoisseur he's mm-hmm. like the Quentin Tarantino of horror although mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino also loves horror but mm-hmm. he is so his opening scene is supposed and I didn't know this I, I found this out but I, I always thought this but then I, he actually said no it was deliberate mm-hmm. it's supposed to reference Halloween
0: Halloween is the um, first thing I thought because you and I have walked many times up that um the street they shot it the Michael Myers house on Orange Grove in West Hollywood
1: Orange Grove yes
0: and and in his walking, and when he gets abducted with by, you know, a white car, <laughs> when they're playing that scary run rabbit run song, he's just walking alone at night. And I, I feel nervous for him already. And it just instantly brought me into this like, Oh, what's he doing in this suburb? This is like scary. What are you doing, man? Like Get out of here.
1: And so I yeah, and I, I think what what Jordan Peele is going for is that reversal mm-hmm. of for a for a black person, this being in a suburban neighborhood is a place where you get shot, yeah, where you and so it's a, it's a dangerous place, whereas for white folk back in the day, going to an urban area would mm-hmm. be mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: a place where you you know where you don't feel safe. So this is part of what immediately draws those lines of right you know what the racial experience in America is different according mm-hmm. to your race. Mm-hmm. So immediately, and he says, <laughs> and I thought this was great. He says, what, what a best, what a better representation of a white neighborhood than Haddonfield, Illinois and Halloween.
0: <laughs> 100%. So I
1: love that because I have a kind of racial reading of Halloween that I want to kind of write about academically. Hmm. Where I think the movie is a lot about white and whiteness, and it has racial components, even though there's of course no no black person in the movie, but mm-hmm. it is a commentary on white suburbia. Right. So I love that he used that as a reference to place his opening in. Mm-hmm. So like, so yes, you proved my point in a way. <laughs> um,
0: and so, so the uh, the opening sequence. So we have it's Andre who he's abducted um and he's taken away and immediately you're like oh man he got kidnapped that's oh sucks and then childish gambino like all the music like it opens with stay woke or no is is that what it is like the lyrics are like stay woke
1: it's like red first is that weird song that's by the composer yeah the run rabbit run the the credit sequence Uh right uh no no there's the wait wait which one there's three songs there's the song That's playing in the car of yeah. That's Run Rabbit Run, Run Rabbit Run, and Uh then he goes into that weird score, which is part of the score.
0: Oh yes, yeah.
1: By I think his name is Michael Abel, the -hmm. the composer that he found. Well, he wasn't even a composer, right? He He did like jazz and like jazz. He did some cool stuff. Weird, yeah. And then it goes into Childish Gambino when he's shaving. So immediately, so watching it, the revisit of this, because this movie is three years old?
0: Yeah, Um, and and at first I'm like, you know what? I mean, black men have been, black people have been persecuted for forever. So how is this going to change? And I know that a lot of recent activities have been heightened, but I was just like, is it going to be that big of a difference from... 2017, was 17, it? 2017, 2017 to 2020, and oh hell yeah, oh hell oh, yeah!
1: yeah. The minute you walk into the movie, um, with everything that's happened, particularly this year, it's almost like that the horror gets amplified. Yeah, times ten. Mm-hmm. Which I remember when I walked into this movie um, in 2017, it's like okay, I'm here for this story. You're aware of this. Of The themes that are going to be presented to you, right? You've seen the advertising. Whereas here, it's like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) From the get-go, the setup is much stronger. Right. Um, Right. And I guess it makes you pay attention to more details in the movie that I was not aware of. I've seen this movie probably about four or five times, maybe Mm -hmm. more. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first, I remember what I thought about it the first time I saw it.
0: Right, right.
1: And so I had a very clear interpretation of it the first time. But this time I had a very different, not a yeah. different interpretation, but a, a new layer.
0: Yeah, you, you see things in a little bit more sharper focus. I think that's what I was trying to say earlier, like slurring through <laughs> that, that beat there. Cause there's a difference between being an ally and being like, well, I'm not racist and I get the plight of this versus 2020. It's like, no, 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 no. I need to listen. I need to learn more. I will never mm. understand this. Let me like really sit down and pay the fuck attention and how I can better this, you know, the situation.
1: And I think the movie is specifically trying to explain and convey very clearly what racism is to the black person, not what racism is outside of itself. True. Mm-hmm. What it feels like for the African American. And it's just another day.
0: Our- the whole plight of the protagonist for Chris the character is like, this is another day. This might be shocking to you, or you might think this is a filtered point of view, but no, this is a day-to-day thing. This is, you know, the evils of racism present. My my job is to adapt and to, sh- and to survive.
1: So I guess one of the things, so Jordan Peele has talked about that when he, he was worried because when he released this movie, when he wrote the movie, it was during the Obama era. So mm-hmm. everyone had this misconception Mm we came to find out that racism was over we Mm -hmm. had a black president everything was all peachy hunky dory peachy
0: fucking keen
1: wait peachy fucking keen (laughs) little did we know right and so when the movie so he wrote the movie thinking oh no one's gonna get this because i'm speaking about something that a lot of people don't really see anymore right because Right. And then little did we know when the movie actually came out was the first year of Donald Trump's presidency, which is the perfect time for it to come
0: out to be like, guys, we had eight amazing years of Obama and we thought the country was ready for a black president. But it turns out that all this racism is bubbling to the surface. I always compare that kind of resentment and horrible, just nonsensical hatred. bubbling to the surface of that of a uh, of uh, like Ghostbusters 2 do you remember the lava <laughs> below New York City and everybody's yes. just like oh it's bubbling to the top and, like I feel like that's the racism so a lot of us
1: were shocked at that at that to the 2016 election and everything that just came flying at us mm-hmm. how could we all of a sudden realize that we thought things that progressed in terms of um Race in the United States, and we find out that it's quite the opposite. It was just like this hidden lava, yeah, to boil over. Yeah, um, and so I think this movie, what's brilliant about it is that it actually tries to explain what racism is, mm-hmm. um, from, of course, Jordan Peele's mind or perspective, or from the black experience. Mm-hmm. It actually, because a lot, my And I'm sure you feel the same way. To me, it's like, I don't understand this. Half of the time, Mm -hmm. I sit there and I try to understand Trumpism and this racist hatred thing. And I was like, okay, I I know we're all human beings, but Mm -hmm. what the hell is going on? And it's really hard for us to to understand, like, how is this even possible?
0: Like, how is this (laughs) a thing? (laughs) I agree. I'm just like, if you have common sense and... and just basic human decency and empathy, it, like I, I don't understand. I, I honestly don't understand it. It brings me back to To Kill a Mockingbird. And I love that they teach that. And especially in the South. I remember I was assigned that in fourth grade or something. And it's very important to understand the racial divide, acknowledge the events that have happened, because that's a, another problem in itself. We're trying to rewrite history. I have a Georgia history book from fifth grade when i was going through my mom's stuff cleaning out her her apartment everything i have a georgia history book where they refer to slaves as helpers that's how they refer to them that is changing the narrative that is why there's so much fucked up thought and theory in, in this country just to go to what you're saying of like why do people think this way i think because they are misinformed and manipulated from a young age And they're almost like gaslit to be like, this is the narrative. This is the. It's like you you want to know the history, but if the history is contorted, you'll never know. And people are just ignorant from then on out, you know.
1: And I think you're right. It's like they're used to this being the narrative, like the whole Tulsa thing. And I know you and I have talked about Mm -hmm. this, and the way it was used in in the new version or the sequel to Watchmen that HBO released last Mm -hmm. year, which is amazing. Um, the, the fact that that event was basically swept under the rug um, it's shocking when you right, when you go back yeah. to think about it.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if we um, referenced this on a previous podcast because you and I have drunkenly talked about this all the time and, and my friend's an elementary school teacher and we discuss of um, how different regions are taught about Tulsa and a lot of people didn't know about Tulsa until The mm-hmm. Watchmen on HBO. They did not yep. know about this. The only reason, the only reason I know about this is because I went to a predominantly black school so I went to a white school when I was in elementary school, and then I changed for middle and high. And in middle school, they taught us that. And I don't think I would have gotten that same education. I'm pretty sure we talked about this already. But um, it's, it's just what we're teaching. It's people like to it's, gloss over events. And why are we glossing over a massacre that happened?
1: So this, this del- what do we call it, this um, rewriting history or... Mm-hmm. You know, they say history is written by the oppressors or by the winners of the war. Right. So this has been going on for so long here, and in fact, it's probably what the Trump presidency is all about. He constantly lies and tries to rewrite reality God. from second to second, and it makes
0: no sense. Yeah.
1: Which I don't still don't understand how people don't white why are they following a person who they know is constantly lying? My Mm -hmm. new theory is that they must know that he's constantly lying, Mm -hmm. but they must like the lie that he puts out. I don't know.
0: Maybe the story (laughs) is soothing them to sleep. Maybe it makes them feel Uh, better about their shitty lives. I mean,
1: Um, but to get back into the movie. mm -hmm. So my first note is about the deer scene. the running over the deer scene. (sighs) Yes. And the reason I had a very this time around, so mm-hmm. of course, this scene has been talked about very important scene in the movie, one of the inciting incidents. But to me, it, what was because I saw it and I I don't know if you've talked about this, but I have a kind of projector setup, up movie theater-esque in mm-hmm. my room upstairs. Mm-hmm. I call it the arc light. <laughs> um, so I get to see this movie in a big screen and kind of try to re-experience the, the movie watching in a theater experience. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I immediately I was I had a, a visceral reaction because it looks like the drive to my house. Oh, like the, where it was shot. <gasps> You've been here, right? Yes. It oh, now that like you that say
0: that,
1: drive. yeah, it looks just like. Okay, it. so you
0: were there. You were. You were. I was
1: like, this is a drive to my house, okay. and then the weird, the other weird thing about it was like one of the things in this drive is that you constantly have to be watching out for the deer because they're. you have to be on your toes. Over. So
0: it's like you have it's
1: a thing. Daniel it's a and
0: thing. tell me if I'm massacring his last name, Daniel Kalua? Is it Kaluuya?
1: Kaluuya. I think you, you do spell the, that. The like the, Kaluuya.
0: but, but like I'm a, not sure. An extra U. Kaluya.
1: Kalua. Kaluya. And
0: so he's there in the car and it's Allison Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they hit the deer. It does look like it's the drive to your house in North Carolina. And, I had a different reaction, not because it was the drive to your house. I I thought you were going to go down this route. I I was scared the first time I saw it because it's one of those jump moments. But Mm -hmm. honestly, it's also the combined fear of, you know how this country operates. And you're on edge for this guy going to meet the white girl's family. I mm. was already apprehensive, and so when that deer comes out of nowhere, it's akin to the Friday the Thirteenth movies of you know, or slasher films of like, okay guys, you're gonna go to Crystal Lake, everything's happy go lucky, you guys are all gonna fuck around, and the
1: yeah, it's they just always like always have those sequences there in the van or something. Yeah, yes, and yes. to me,
0: if there was not, if you did, if you watch this movie and you do not recognize that there's a racial divide, that scare wouldn't. Um, impact you as much. But I'm already so nervous for this guy. I'm so nervous. And then that happens and that accentuated and the, the scare the factor. The entire
1: scene is setting up his uncomfortableness, mm-hmm. his apprehension mm-hmm. towards getting there. He's a visitor. Because he, he talks to his friend, to Rodney on the phone. Mm-hmm. And Little Rel. They have, they have that like... And then they... The, I mean, the brilliance of Jordan Peele keeps cutting to that shot that shows the windshield from mm-hmm. behind them. Mm-hmm. Which keeps hinting at you subconsciously something is coming through that window yeah um and i noticed at this time it, it, there's something that puts you unease that there's going to be an accident there's going to be something but it's connected to um i think you're pointing out very well daniel kaluuya's performance mm-hmm. because he's in, his entire demeanor he's so good in this movie like i he's i noticed
0: amazing he, he he's is, so good
1: he was nominated for an oscar mm-hmm. and Rightfully so. I don't know who won that year. I'm trying to remember who won that year. Who won that year? Did they deserve it? It's 2018, but I can't remember.
0: <laughs> I think that was Phantom Thread year. Um, we'll get back to that. Anyways, because I, I don't yeah. want to take away from how amazing he was and, and this, and especially in all the lesser known people. Um, Like, is it Betty Gabriel? She was the maid in it. Like, her, they give her Mm -hmm. such tight close-ups. I'm like, this woman is acting her ass off. And I looked up on IMDb, and I'm just like, who is this woman? She needs to blow up. And she's trained at Juilliard. She's just a phenomenally gifted actress. I'm just like, I want to see her in everything. But anyways, so Daniel and Allison are in the car. They hit the deer. The cop comes. Allison, you know, he demands the you know, let me see your license and the unfair treatment of him. And it's brilliantly written of where she's like, well, no, he doesn't have to do anything. And we think that, you know, in the beginning that she's this woke white girl and a little like, how dare you even do this? Like, don't even ask him for that. But no, really, she just, doesn't want there to be a paper trail for the atrocities that happen later for what they're
1: they're about to do because it's it's too hard
0: narrative and it's a it's a thing to say about white feminism but that's a whole other discussion when i have more drinks so (laughs)
1: um so the two again i i love i will say jordan peele's hitchcockian because he's not even hitchcock is all all in this yes yes So that the shot of the windshield and then there's the shot of the white shot when he finally. So we've been waiting for his arrival. What's this going to be like? Mm -hmm. And the most genius thing that Jordan Peele does is to play out the arrival Mm -hmm. from Mm -hmm. far, far away. We've Mm -hmm. been waiting to see the reaction of the parents. What's this going to be like? This is the entire setup through the car, through the beginning of the movie this meeting and he plays it really far away and he shows you that plantation columns. Again, yeah. I think you're having like Southern mm-hmm. vibes, even though it's New York. So I call it the ominous white shot. Um, and I, that thing, that's one of those things that caught, that says, Oh, things are not right. Right. And, and then you, of course you see, I think in the foreground, which is what turns out to be the, the grandfather um Of the the Armitage, mm-hmm. group, the guy who created everything. Yeah, yeah. But we're getting ahead of Black ourselves. That, yeah. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um. And one of the things that I so that there's that immediately puts you on edge for the next sequence, which is when he's sexually meeting the parents, and there's that scene where the dad gives him the tour of the house. So one of the things that I noticed is when he's showing him all the the dad. I forget what his name is. Um,
0: um it's bradley is it whitford
1: it's bradley whitford yeah yes. but i don't know what the, the dad the actual character's name is do, do you bradley know, whitford. well do you know
0: what he's most recognizable from do you recognize him
1: i mean i know i've seen him in a lot of yeah things, he's, he's he's like kind of that character famous. actor that shows up
0: and everything but he was most well known for west wing another west Wing oh, that's right tangent which
1: is which is the reason why he cast it.
0: Yeah, he's like, Jordan he wants Joseph. that white liberal feel. Because, you know, we we expect her, both of them to roll up to this place. And either the parents are going to be disapproving and these conservative, you know, what we stereotype racist or um, mm-hmm. not even to blatantly say racist but what we we stereotype that to be you know like that kind of white family of just like oh my daughter's dating a black guy how are we gonna act like you're you're so tense about this and then they're like they seem cool Like, they're cool with black people. And he says, I voted for Obama a third time if I could. Like, he's saying all these things that just make you kind of roll your eyes, but that I've definitely heard many times in my life around people that are around minorities. You know, just be like, hey, I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. I'm cool. I'm good.
1: Well, here's the the other twist that you don't realize, and I, maybe I'm pairing this to our poltergeist episode. The same way that I was so shocked in my revisit to realize that the Freelings were Republicans, I'm very as equally shocked to realize in 2020 that the Armitages are Democrats. They're liberal Democrats.
0: Yeah, so that wasn't shocking to me at all. So I, I got that the first um, time around, but I think it's because I'm white. Because I think there is a thing in in the, my race where people do damage control
1: you're right i didn't know that but i didn't um realize it that it was that when jordan peele wrote this he was commenting not necessarily on what we saw coming out of the trumpism the mm-hmm. crazy republican mm-hmm. racism that's a like very real and palpable and goes back to the Ku Klux clan and all that stuff. right right, right. and confederacy and mm-hmm. this is not really ironically it's not supposed to re- it's not it's not the south it's upstate new york which is a very democratic state and these people are democrat liberal democrats who voted for obama like they say what you're seeing is that they're living in what gives you echoes of the south and mm-hmm. the plantation mm-hmm. and you know when you meet the servants of course georgina mm-hmm. and that it's it, All you're thinking is, oh, my God, he just walked into Alabama. So the the juxtaposition of what we know to be very racist, which is, you know, the the southern past or Mm -hmm. the Confederacy Mm -hmm. with something that we don't equate with racism, which is white Democrat liberalism. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I voted for Obama a third term. Mm -hmm. That juxtaposition creates not only an insane amount of tension in this movie because you don't know what's real mm-hmm. or for the character, for Daniel mm-hmm. or Chris um, but it also it, it, it not only makes for an insane horror movie it, it, it gives you a more nuanced and complex essay or argument about what racism is really all about which mm-hmm. is what I always said this movie is so genius. genius it is not about southern racism mm-hmm. it is about the racism that you might not be quite aware of. Yes,
0: a hundred percent. Because it doesn't have to be. And and this is, I I got this this time around. The first time around, I'm just like, yeah, racism is bad, and I'm trying to be an ally. And this time around, I'm like, no, this is very specific of a minority's story, a Mm whole class of people, that this is no big fucking surprise. And it's not like this movie's gonna come out and a few white, or a lot of white people be like, what? It's not like this, what? Like, it wasn't intended for that. The entire theme is... You don't have to have some people in Klan outfits and screaming the N-word and then somebody to shut it down to be like, okay, well, they're an ally and they're not racist. It's like, no. Once again, the whole theme of being a complicit person of – oh, you see how things are prejudiced or how people are treated. They're, like, dehumanized. Like, the whole thing at the party, whenever he goes in and there's all these white people and they're treating him so, like, with little kid gloves of, oh, Tiger Woods this and that. And, oh, black is in fashion. Ha <laughs> ha, awkward mm-hmm. joke. I mean, for, I feel like for a lot of black people, once again, can't, ex- you know, can't speak to their experience. I feel like, to them, this is another fucking day where people are being offensive to them. And not Without realizing them.
1: that they are yeah, yeah
0: they're just being like look at me i'm so woke and i'm stepping on eggshells and it's like no you need to see this person as a fellow human being
1: this movie is not about the racism that we thought we knew which is would be the racism present very overtly right in the south right mm-hmm. this is about The more what Jordan Peele is presenting as the more horrific or the more dangerous form of racism, which is the racism that we don't acknowledge and we don't see. 100%. That is in the liberals. That is true. What is this about? The the one that's more systemic, I guess, because. Mm It's the person that can be racist and vote for Obama, Mm -hmm. right? Which is, again, what we found out because a lot of people who voted for Obama ended up voting for Trump. So what the hell is going on here? So one of the first things I noticed along this train of thought was when he's taking him around the tour of the house, uh, um, Bradley Whitford says, such a privilege to be able to experience someone else's culture. And I think he's showing him tokens from from his trips, right? So this is a... Bradley is a very cultured person who's traveled the world, mm-hmm. but he's just brought these things that are tokens from those trips. Mm-hmm. And and this is the first hint that you get the, the theme of cultural appropriation or uh-huh. the fact that they want to appropriate. So I was like, oh, interesting. So you're already getting a foreshadowing of what they're eventually exactly. doing. Exactly, right? taking
0: a little Experience. bit of somebody's culture and also, you know, serial killer trophies in a way.
1: Exactly, but it hints... And a core thing that I think a lot of people overlook about this movie, that their intent of these white liberal people in what their crazy shit that they're doing Mm -hmm. is much more than racism. It's actually trying to steal and incorporate the black experience into their being. True. So... And here's the part where I have a kind of radical reinterpretation. And maybe we'll, we'll get to it. Maybe I want to get to it a little bit later. I don't want to go into it all mm. at once right now. But okay. This is the first indication of this. That it's not just about, okay, so these people are taking these black men um, or women, right? Because we see Georgina. Mm-hmm. And basically taking over their bodies, right? Mm-hmm. This is the whole theme of the movie. They're taking their bodies to live longer, to get more strength, to get physical prowess. Mm-hmm. Right. there's all these comments about you know, so they're all racist stereotypes like all oh, the men are more sexually yeah you know you know they're physically better they're better at, at, at sports right That's mm-hmm. the whole thing with the with the, with his father about oh he lost to the guy the grandfather right. right and so forth so there's that that theme is very overt in the movie okay uh-huh. so they want these black bodies because black bodies are more fit. For all these different things. So it's just the physical thing. They want the physicality of the black body. Right. But I saw something else this time around. Okay. And I I don't want to give it all away right now. I want to keep going through the movie and okay. get okay. to it.
0: I am gonna um, I'm gonna interject really quick because I think that also with this, I, I do like that this movie, written and directed by a black man, I love that he's saying, hey. a a huge reason why black people are oppressed is because white people are intimidated by them, that they see Mm. them as the superior race. So it's like this role reversal
1: is the irony.
0: Yeah. And, and I also feel that way for women. And, you know, I feel that how women were suppressed for so long.
2: Yeah. And Uh, that's
0: why we've been silenced for an extremely long time. And, then that goes into this whole, I don't know what you're going to say next, but I, I do want to talk about Allison Williams. So mm-hmm. I'm a white girl discussing this movie. Of course you see Allison Williams and her character and you're like, I am nothing like this bitch. <laughs> She's horrible. She's awful. However, I, and this time around, I thought it was fascinating because there, I, I feel like white feminism in itself has been brought to light more so in the media. And I'm I'm definitely learning more and and trying to listen and be educated about this kind of thing because I thought that I was an ally for the longest time and now I'm like, well yeah, there is a white girl feminism where if you if they already think that they're doing society better. They're like, oh, I'm doing this because you are less than me. But I'm gonna help you mm-hmm. out because I have exactly. this money and I have this. But I'm gonna help you. There there's still that I'm a step above you, snottiness that happens. And yes, you can be a feminist, you can be white, but you do need to recognize that white feminism is definitely different than feminism itself, and it is a category. It's like a subcategory of um, I don't want to say racism, but I do feel what was being hammered home in Allison Williams' character is that she did everything to fit her narrative. Anything that could help her out, she was down with. And, and I do see that as being a woman in, in this time of being like, I need to be more inclusive of everybody's narrative. Like, I do see that. You know, a lot of people, like, it's like those dumb bitches that say, like, all lives matter. Like, good God. We know that they're ignorant. But there are a lot of women that, that acknowledge that, but their actions don't match it. You know, some yeah, sense? and I think
1: I think no, no, I think this is well, and maybe with Alison Williams, we should kind of bring two of um, Jordan Peele's biggest horror references: the Stepford Wives mm-hmm. and Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. which she's talked about, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I think which is connected to white feminism, white yeah. Right? So Stepford Wives yeah. is about. Um, the commentary on the subjugation of women in suburban mm-hmm. areas and all this stuff. And they're mm-hmm. like robots because they want to conform to this fifties mm-hmm. ideal and so forth. And so what the twist of the movie is that these robot women rebel and all this stuff. So he's playing with that. He's superimposing that idea. So I think there is a strong connection between what he's laying out here in terms of the racial experience with the experience of women, with the experience of white women. Mm-hmm. Because those are his, his reference point. Same with Rosemary's Baby, right? Mm-hmm. It's a movie about a woman subjugated to a man and then a cult. Mm-hmm. A man in his career, right? Mm-hmm. Her husband, who's the worst. John Cassavetes, <laughs> love him. He's amazing, but he was
0: such a douchebag in he's that movie.
1: The worst. Oh. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and also, you know, kind of a representation of motherhood as evil and all mm-hmm. this stuff. All these things that we've seen throughout um, history. So, my okay. So the way I saw the movie back then. So let's get into it. We'll we'll be back to Allison Williams because I have something to say about her at the mm-hmm. end because her, the way her performance changes is just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I one of the things Jordan Peele really wanted the audience to believe that there was a real love between them mm-hmm. to the point where they're denying themselves when they find out what she's doing, what she's really doing. Yes. It, mm-hmm. There's like three steps to where you actually, and it's also for you are with Daniel. In that, right. Where it's like, you can't quite believe that she's actually this psychopathic or mm-hmm. horrible or sociopathic, mm-hmm. um, but we'll get to that. But the, the thing that I got about this movie um again I know another indication of this whole plantation world is the candles at dinner when they're having oh, that Oh, okay. So there's all these little things that make you think wait a minute where am I? Am I in <laughs> upstate New York or am I in, you know, the yeah, South? Yeah. Um and as- especially with the characters of the servants who turn out to be the grandparents. But so my in that scene at the dinner where um what's the brother's name i know caleb <gasps> laundry jones is the actor caleb um,
0: something i here's the thing i, I call him i character. call him poor man's jonathan tucker
1: <laughs> yes oh my god that's very good yeah poor i man's jonathan.
0: you know i i strongly do not like this performance i don't really like it's him as much. an actor it's he's an over the actor
2: it's true. I'm, we-
0: yeah i'm not saying he's bad but i'm just saying because he's in um the the billboards outside of missouri movie and a few he's other things
1: Olympics, Return.
0: yeah and mm-hmm. it's like you know i'm a ginger i love that ginger people i support them but he he's an over actor
1: everyone else is so nuanced to when the twist comes it's more powerful. I just did
0: not care about this brother. I, I just he, don't he like was this already, actor.
1: He was already evil from the beginning. It's like yeah. the Jack Nicholson Shining thing. Yeah. Um, but in this scene... So yeah, poor man's Jonathan Tucker. Scene,
0: Watch Kingdom. Nick Jonas is this gay MMA fighter and Jonathan Tucker is his brother and he's so badass and wonderful and I think he's a wonderful actor. Anyways, <laughs> I just feel like this so, guy ripped him off, ripped off his performances.
1: So my... my Main thesis when I first watched the movie in twenty seventeen was that this movie was saying that racism was about jealousy. Hmm. Right? So the the fact that these essential white people are jealous of what black people have, meaning the physicality, the youthfulness, all these things that they that are brought out in the movie, right? So mm-hmm. that's why they're stealing their bodies, because they want to live forever. They want to be younger. They want to be fitter. They want to be more sexual. Mm-hmm. All these, like, stereotypes. They want to be better at sports, uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, so And in this scene, because this is when he demonstrates when he calls him the beast and he's like, Oh, what sport are you? They're asking him about what's Mm -hmm. very stereotypically asking him about sports. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, I don't know. He's like, well, I do jujitsu, which requires the mind and all this stuff. So that is a very racist, more nuanced by Jonathan Tucker would have been better. I completely agree. Thank you. One flaw of the movie. Um, So it's the idea that like, Oh, he thinks he's superior to him, but he's also jealous of, of, the attributes that he has physically, but he mm-hmm. thinks he's smarter, right? So this is he the has whole the thing about the superiority
0: over him. Yeah, he he thinks this fucked up train of thought. Yeah,
1: which is the whole thing about the jujitsu and the headlock, uh-huh. which gets paid off at the end when he tries to do that and right. he just fucking. And we see, <laughs> we see who's <laughs> the stronger like,
0: <laughs> one in that, don't we?
1: Really quick. But, but again, it was about physicality and Uh so i mean there's this theme about the consumption of blackness right Right. they're consuming these black bodies for their own benefit and so forth um but this time around i had a different reading and i'm okay piece this as i go and i I know that i keep like foreshadowing what i'm going to say but because at first i want to talk about other things before i get there okay Because I had a major revelation about this movie in this reading. A major 2020 revision. Okay, tell me. So so back then, it was about jealousy, physical prowess, all these things. They just want the bodies, right? Mm -hmm. This time, I completely read the opposite. I was like, there is something else going on in this movie. It's not just about owning the black bodies. It's Mm -hmm. not just about slavery. Because, you know, that connects to owning the black labor back in the day and so forth. There is something super deep going on in this movie and I think Daniel Kaluuya and his insane performance mm-hmm. um, is, is he's so good in this that, this, that m- takes the movie and takes it away from being a, an allegory of black appropriation um, and the fact that we thought we had overcome racism with the Obama administration and so forth little did we know what was really going on. And I think this is the deeper layer of this movie. Um, and it's in the tea hypnosis scene. I don't know if we want to talk about that right now. The, so let's early. talk about the tea. Let's talk about that tea. <laughs> let's
0: spill the tea. I almost I almost drank a hard kombucha for this to get that like tea narrative of like, no, I don't want to be on that side. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> One, I love that she hypnotizes him with tea because it's so symbolic of white privilege. It is mm-hmm. of aristocrats, mm-hmm. the silver spoon, and it the closes silver up. silver
1: spoon, it's also a British empire, mm-hmm. like, you know, tea is like what the queen drinks and all that stuff, yeah. but some of those slave labor involved mm-hmm. in the distribution of tea, this is what the empire was built, right. so there's all these, like, all the way back kind of symbolism with mm-hmm. that tea.
0: And Catherine Keener, good God, I love Jesus her. Jesus
1: Christ.
0: Everything she's in, especially this, it's such a quiet performance. It's She's amazing. And she and even um, her vibe, so you have Alison Williams who seems like she's like the super woke girl. And mm-hmm. and you kind of think like, okay, is she dating this guy to piss off her parents before you get into the realization of, oh, something sinister is afoot. But um, she's one type of white girl. And then you have Catherine Keener, who is an older generation. And you see, you think that she'd be down with everything. She seems like she's a well-to-do liberal lady. She's wearing turquoise, which a lot of, you know, I like turquoise. Turquoise is fine. But it seems like something a lot of art teachers wear, you know, the funky art teacher vibe of like, you're safe with me. I'm cool. I have an open mind. You know, it's just from her costume to her demeanor. But just the way that she looks at him with such intent, and um, when she hypnotizes, it, she almost has this quiet knowledge that of, of just like, "Oh, I will always be above you. You will. Your race doesn't matter." It's, it's just that it's so hateful without her even doing without, a
1: lot. It's So subtle.
0: It's so subtle. So
1: one of the things that again, I think you mentioned this about Bradley. I think the casting of Katherine Keener is absolutely genius mm-hmm. because we think of Katherine Keener as. A hippie mom, like in theory, so our, she
0: should be cool and have
1: she's like, like she's be like cool like a with everybody,
2: hippie,
1: <laughs> you know. Psychiatrists, so immediately when you meet them, the first truth of this movie is that you're expecting these parents to be a certain way when yeah. you meet them. They're uh-huh. oh, they're the exact opposite. They're you expect like, them
0: to be buttoned up and like little dogs running around everywhere, and no, they. It's to show that.
1: Oh, they're they're cool. They're so cool. They're hippie. They're awesome. I feel they like travel. it was to show normalized she, racism,
0: normalized behaviors. You so know? it's
1: like the twist is like, okay, these people are not definitely what we thought the racist people would be. So what's going on? So, and mm-hmm. that's the genius of, of that performance. Mm-hmm. And being John Malkovich is... A huge reference point in this movie because Mm -hmm. it's about people inhabiting the body of John Malkovich, right? (laughs) It's already hinting at what where this is going.
0: Right. Right. Oh, I didn't Um, think about it that way. Yeah, I can see
1: that. So this the the whole sequence of the the sunken place, when he gets pulled back and he sees her in like a screen, Mm -hmm. is very much a reference to when, you know, when people get inside John Malkovich and being John Malkovich, they see through the isodrome as if it was a movie screen. Yeah. So I was as a reference. Um, but it's connecting that idea of inhabiting someone else's body with your own consciousness. So mm-hmm. I call it so which it's a foreshadowing for the, what they're doing with the black bodies, right? They're white people inside white bodies inside black bodies.
0: Agree, which you know, um, yeah, that's kind of like a night of the living dead reference and body snatchers mm-hmm. as well. Let's talk about the significance of The Sunken Place. So it's this is visual storytelling at its finest. It becomes this run-of-the-mill movie where we're already a little apprehensive and anxious, and there's some comedic elements, and um, we're, we're feeling at ease at this point. We're, we're on Daniel's journey of getting used to these new surroundings and kind of being on guard but trying to be cool. And when he gets to The Sunken Place... I I have chills thinking about this. He's sunk to the chair, swimming, floating in this dark place. And before, I I definitely resonated that, okay, this is, you know, society telling black people that they need to stay where we've put them. You know, I felt like it's just like, we're always going to try to keep you down this time around. I really, oh God, I have such chills just even thinking about this scene Cause it was just so beautiful. And, and Daniel is just acting his ass off. Um, I really just felt like it was systemic racism at its finest of like, no matter what you do, you can swim, you can scream, you can yell. You are always going to be paralyzed. There's always going to be a way that, that if you're a minority, if you're not white, that Uh, you will be you'll be in limbo forever like you can try you can try to get the hell out of it but good luck buddy that's just not the way it's set up and with a snap of the finger your life can be ruined and for no fucking reason that that just like stayed with me in that scene
1: and it's also i think a representation of the feeling of marginal being marginalized Mm. but not necessarily from an external but from an internal perspective it's how you feel when you feel marginalized, powerless, so yeah. right, the feeling of powerlessness. Powerless, yeah. I mean, she closes his eyelid, which I thought was, I noticed this time mm. at the end of the scene. Yeah. And then it, you see it goes into the dark. It's almost condescending. I did, I We're like, like, don't touch Ooh. him. <laughs> like I control yeah. your your vision. Ugh. I'm going to put you to mind. sleep. You're
0: a little child. You're not on my level. Like It's just so gross.
1: And given that he's an artist, a photographer, an observer, mm-hmm. this is... You know Chris's profession and his um, closing of the eyelid is very significant because I think it's also connected to Jordan Peele as a film director. Mm-hmm. Like his character, it, this is him in the movie, right? It's mm-hmm. just his personal story. It's right. how he, so the idea that someone that he's an observer, like a mo- in a movie theater in a dark room, looking at her as if it was a screen, and he cannot have any agency right. of the situation. Mm-hmm. um It's extremely powerful and I connect this also and I'm going to go kind of crazy deep here Ooh. to you know b- being a woman who is constantly afraid of being raped by being put under a drug where they cannot move mm-hmm. right and this is deathly fear mm-hmm. that you can have right if you're going to be like the roofie victim right so it, the, the character of Daniel feels completely immobilized and it's at the whim of this person. Yeah, and I get what you're saying
0: because yeah, to to that fact of just being on the defense of, you know, whenever I've had to explain this to a few of my straight guy friends and and to, you know, my boyfriend, of just like why women walk with keys in their hand all the time you know, for mm-hmm. defense. And it's just like a subconscious thought of just like, oh, I'm walking to my my car, I'm having my keys on my hand in case an attacker comes up from behind, and blah, blah, blah. And there's a handful of men that don't understand. They're like, oh, oh, wow. And and I've had some friends be like, I'm so sorry, that's a day-to-day for you. And I'm like, ah, I don't think of it. And it's like, it's just it's normal in my hand. And then I've also had, you know, past boyfriends say, well, I'm with you. I'm with, I'll am i protect you. Like this dumb shit. That no. is it's like, no, it is just you're smart you always have your drink in your hand you don't set it down for the fear of being roofied um you always have your keys in your hand when you go to the car it's not something that you go to resent every day it's just like how life is and i feel that um it could be that way for minorities i know that you've told me that you feel terrified if you go into a room and everybody's white you're like what's happening <laughs> i mean and i don't blame you i really don't and it,
1: and it's it, it's to me it's fascinating and i felt it uh, I, I hate to say this, but I felt it here in North Carolina. I felt, I have felt this, what this movie is representing mm-hmm. more so than the like people yelling at me overt racism. Right. Right. The one that, that we've seen more, more like in other films.
0: Have you, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Have you experienced more fear slash hatred slash? I don't know. Um, have you have you been more on the offense of being Puerto Rican or being gay? I'm sure there's a hybrid oh, of both that intimidate some people. <laughs> like, but um, but do you feel that there's a difference between the two? I mean like oh, that you yes. I mean for the the weird hatred that is slurred at you? I mean
1: So I actually think this is gonna sound very dark. I think this society is more accepting of gay people than they are of racial minorities. Yeah, I agree. Or or women. I agree. I don't know why that happened in that order, Mm -hmm. but it was not the case 20 years ago, right? Especially in Puerto Rico, but definitely things have progressed for gay people Mm -hmm. in a very positive direction. We have gay marriage and all these things, and but it actually has progressed in the sense that I don't feel unsafe as a gay person Mm -hmm. as much as I used to 15 years ago, Mm. whereas I still feel weird. I feel this strange right. racism towards being Latino or Puerto Rican. Because people look at you as a token. Mm-hmm. That's the part that this movie represents so well. You're you're some, you're a token. Hmm. You're you're a pawn. You're like you're like a trophy that feeling and it's not super like i said super overt where like people are like oh go back to your country we're right we're all, we're i not, mean but i did hear that, that in georgia we had like we
0: had two i mean ugh, i think we had like one asian student and then one foreign exchange spanish student and they definitely got a brunt of that of just they were just different nobody knew what to do with their culture you know um and then, yeah, the gay kids in our school, because it's so religious, like the Bible Belt, they got picked on all the time. Yeah,
1: there is, usually so the gay thing is the gay stemmed out of religion. comes from, from religion, yeah. And from where is People racial, who are like, what yeah. are you, alien child? That yeah. doesn't fit into my narrative. I've definitely s- seen that. But I feel like even those people have attempted to understand mm-hmm. A little bit, I mean, maybe I'm being too kind, <laughs> but I, I, <laughs> I have think felt you're an elegant person
0: no matter what. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have felt le- I am less aware of that, and maybe it's, it's just I'm older, am more proud of myself, I don't right. really see myself in a negative light in that way. Like, you know, the self deprecating those feelings are long past, mm-hmm. but I have noticed this thing that the movies is portraying where. There's a sense of, I mean, and I'm going to add a layer to the jealousy. So, okay, so let's get into it because I I know I keep delaying my reveal. (laughs) But one of the things that the movie is going to that moment with the eyelid is that essentially we we eventually find out that there's this blind art dealer character mm-hmm. who is essentially Steven the Root, person that's yeah. going to inhabit chris's body right uh-huh. and so he's like some sort of frustrated photographer himself so mm-hmm. i saw remember that scene outside of the before the auction
2: mm-hmm.
1: where he tells him oh they got you on display and that hit me because that's exactly what i'm describing right now yeah. when you're a latino person and around white people you feel like you're this like. Thing on display, huh. like oh, here's our cool Latino person, and that I uh, that definitely is something that, that I hit home for lot. you. And so, um,
0: and I think that's really interesting watching it this time around too, because I, I definitely noticed that there's a divide, and and what you were just saying too of of that homophobia tends to stem out of religion this Mm -hmm. whole racial thing is a sense of uh nationalism so once constructed the other one is inherited does that make sense yeah
1: and it's like one and one is based it's not i guess the religious one is not necessarily based on a nation like you're saying Mm -hmm. it's it's much more like they were taught that this thing denies their um, worldview or their, uh, I'm going to be radical here. Hopefully I don't offend any religious people, their fantasy of life after death. Sorry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, That, you know, it's really hard for them to not think about, they think gay people deny the fact that there's life after death and that there, and that there's a, there isn't a God Mm -hmm. because somehow that's connected in the way they were taught about it, or if it, you don't live
0: your revival, life a certain whatever. way, then you go to hell. So the existence some, some of gay gay people some weird construct, yeah,
1: denies their beliefs,
0: and it, it differs from them. It scares them. them. It's so drastically different; they don't it's wrap amazing. their heads around it. So
1: exactly, it it collapses them. So. But that's a whole other. Conversation that's a whole other thing. For another movie. That about. <laughs>
0: well, I do want uh, to say, and and it, we have to wrap this up because it's part one. It's a two-parter, uh, baby. Oh, so it's a part one. Of part two. Yeah, I haven't even
1: revealed my big thing. Okay, uh, fine. Part one. Part well,
0: two. that's people have to come um, back for your big reveal. That's the whole. That's called a a cliffhanger, baby. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> i will say Coming. um and plus i am dry I've, I've been out of my cider for a good 10 minutes oh so.
1: you need a drink I need yeah, a, yeah
0: i need it cozy part
1: two will be for three but for this so. this
0: whole international view on what america itself is going through at this time um black Klansmen. one of the best movies I've seen in a very Mm -hmm. long time. And Spike Lee is hit or miss for me. I really enjoy him as a person and as a director. I love every interview that I've read or seen with him. But Black Klansman just was amazing to me. I I just, I feel like that's one of my favorites of his. And Jordan Peele is a producer Producer. on this. Okay. I mean, there you go. Like, we got great minds working together. But I mean, also oscar has a huge problem with diversity horror movies there's a huge debate of whether get out was even a horror versus thriller because of category fraud yada yada we'll get into that in the next episode but um for black Klansmen, i was shocked how many people didn't see it or weren't talking about it because i thought it was just so phenomenal and Kate in England, she was getting screeners. Um, she had just moved over there. She's a casting person. She gets screeners. And she and her her husband were watching it. And her husband is born and raised in Bristol. And he watched it. And he turned to her at the end and said, I had no idea you guys were still dealing with this to this day. He said, I did not know the racial divide mm-hmm. was so problematic. He said, I thought it was blown up a little in movies. But I I had no clue, did not know that this is still a thing.
1: I think the whole world thought this was done. So the twist, the surprise twist was this Trumpism that came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I think this movie, Get Out, is hinting as to what is exactly, why is this happening? Yeah. Which I will reveal. (laughs) In
0: the the next next episode. (laughs) They love have a it.
1: Theory and it comes from this movie, which is so genius.
0: Yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant film. All right, so um, guys, thanks for listening to part one of Get Out, and we're gonna discuss part two after we pour us some drinks. Woo.
2: Thanks. See you soon. <laughs>